Welcome to Fintech Chatter News, presented by Tier 1 People, leaders in fintech executive search. Follow us on your favorite podcast player or Fintech Chatter TV on YouTube. Welcome to a super special blockchain news show that we've got for you today, coming live from the Singapore FinTech Festival. And my host who uh, joins me every month for blockchain news is here in person, Chloe White. Chloe, great to catch up with you. It's so good to see you, Dexter. Singapore FinTech Festival, what have you made of it so far? It's absolutely epic. Um, yeah. I'm loving the vibe here. Um, it's There's so much energy. There is a lot going on in terms of um, policy discussions, but also seeing uh, what are the trends in terms of innovation and growth, where are people focusing their energy? Yeah. Now, last time we did a blockchain news, it was a big week for news. and. We've had another big week for news this week, so it's kind of rather serendipitous that we're both here to, to talk about it. Um, quite a few things for us to go through, but the thing that uh, you know, really got my attention this week was DBS announcing that they'd made a, a fairly significant transaction on blockchain, um, which was a, a big announcement here at, at the festival. You've been doing a little bit of uh, digging around on this. I have. Um, I was really interested to see, from an institutional perspective, there's a lot of interest in DeFi and how institutions can actually use blockchain technology. Um, DBS has been really excited to want to promote this, and they're claiming to be one of the first banks to use DeFi. Um, there has been um, JP Morgan and SBI from Japan also involved in this. Um, and so they've done a bit of research into um, Ethereum, Uniswap, how that AMM works. Um, most of the action in terms of what, what has been executed has occurred between JP Morgan and, and SBI. And so what they actually did was uh, JPM had a deposit of Singapore dollars, SBI had a deposit of Japanese yen. They each tokenized that deposit. They posted as collateral on the Aave platform using the Polygon chain, the collateral in a, in a borrower-lender arrangement. So in this case, JP Morgan um, was borrowing yen from SBI using their Singapore dollars as collateral. Awesome. So, uh, you know, I've, I've got some Polygon tokens and I just, I'm still trying to wrap my head around, like, what do they actually mean? Do they mean I'm a shareholder in Polygon? Do they mean that I can use these tokens and do a transaction like the one that you, you've talked about? What, were, were they actually converting it into Polygon tokens to then make the transaction? They actually were not, and I asked them how they went about choosing their platform. They said the reason they chose Polygon over Ethereum is because they didn't want to pay Ethereum's higher gas fees. And they, they took a layer one approach. They looked at it in terms of layer one rather than going straight for Aave, yeah. which, which is what I would have assumed had happened here. Um, but Aave's done a really good job of targeting institutions um, with how they've been developing their products. Um, and so JP Morgan did audit Aave's smart contract and they felt comfortable with Polygon, comfortable with Aave, um, and, and, they, and they went ahead. So that was really interesting. Um, you know, when I spoke with JP Morgan, I met with him earlier today um, to hear about the order of of decision-making and thinking that they went through. Um, they also shared with me in terms of, you know, what they feel that, that they got out of it. They were saying they really liked the instant settlement of the borrow the borrow loan facility, um, they said that it reduced counterparty
anxiety risk for them because without having to worry about T plus two, they don't have to hold as much collateral to account for counterparty risk. Um, so it's that capital efficiency mm. angle that's kind of got yeah. them wanting to play with this tech. And, it, and it's, it's an open protocol, which is really yeah. cool to see. Awesome. It's, um, it feels very much at this Singapore FinTech Festival uh, that blockchain is now a real thing. You know, it's not talking about concepts or you know what potential use cases can be, but I think that you know, certainly the narrative here seems to be, hey, is this the kind of platform or the tool that we use to solve a lot of these problems that the world's experiencing right now? What, what's your kind of general take as to the, you know, the, the festival itself and like the you know the the role that blockchain's now playing in it? So we had a really good conversation about this yesterday um, on on a panel about institutional interest in crypto yeah. because that's really where the big money is um, and that's going to make a huge difference in terms of influencing what gets built out next, right, yeah. in the next wave of DLT innovation. And really the things that are holding back institutional investors from capturing the commercial opportunities that they've identified is... Yes, you know, it is a very volatile asset class, but a lot of them love that because that's how they make money. Um, they are still missing some valuation frameworks, you know, and one of the comments that I made on the panel is I'd love to see some more work and, and brain power being put into explaining the valuation of crypto tokens. But, you know, really most of the reasons that institutions cite as to why they're not doing more sooner in this space is not because they don't see the opportunity. It's It really all comes down to regulation, um, you know, wanting more regulatory clarity and wanting regulation to facilitate the development of the infrastructure that institutions need. Um, you know, they obviously have quite different needs to retail, but, you know, what institutions and retail do have in common is they're really interested in the space. They want more regulatory protection and regulatory guidance. Now, uh, I've got to say kudos to you as well. There are over 50,000 people here at this festival and you got to go and sit on one of the panels. <laughs> Amazing. How did that come about? I was buzzing. It was such an honor to be invited to come and speak. You know, the Singapore FinTech Festival is just... It's such an amazing event. Um, you know, it's a it's a quality event. Um, the speakers that we've we've been able to see here and and the people in these rooms. So I was I was just extremely honoured um, to be a part of it. Um, and and I had a lot of fun on that panel. It was a very fast paced yeah. conversation with with a lot of yeah. brain power on stage. It's amazing the diversity, yeah, but also the quality of the people here. Um, I don't think of, you know, normally when I walk around these events, there are kind of people who just come for the merch and the free food. And you kind of question, hey, why, why are they here? I don't think I could say that about anybody that I've walked past at this event. Like everybody seems deeply invested in the space, deeply invested in, you know, whatever part of fintech or financial services it is. And, you know, to have that audience, you know, where... 50,000 people can kind of come and walk past and show sure you there weren't 50,000 people right there on the stage but it's just an incredible opportunity I would say actually there's a lot of people here who don't have time to eat because it's such an enormous event and yep. there's so many people to meet and things to do so yeah, um, yeah I've, I've been hungry and dehydrated for two uh, days yeah now um, talking about regulation it was a really interesting quite feisty chat this morning yes um, talking about quality as well I mean the quality of speakers has just been incredible we're going to talk about some of them uh, some others a little later but I mean we had Brian Armstrong this morning CEO of, crypto, of um, Coinbase and he was talking with the Monetary Authority of Singapore 
I caught the end of that chat, but you sat all the way through it. What was it like? I'm so glad I got to catch that conversation. It was a really sophisticated debate. Um, you know, done gracefully and, and with humour, I'll say. So, you know, I, I really commend both of the speakers. Brian Armstrong this morning was such a good advocate of our industry um, and in a very reasonable way kind of set out um, in defence of crypto and said, why are you, the regulator, telling the media that crypto is unsuitable? Um, he had a great statistic from Coinbase's user base that more than 50% of Coinbase's users are using crypto for other than just trading. Yeah. Um, and also pointed out to the regulator that not all trading is speculation as well. Trading is, is a legitimate use case. Um, but he listed a whole bunch of the use cases um, for crypto that he's seeing um, with his customers um, and said, you know, does Singapore really want to be a tech hub? Uh, because some of Singapore's posturing in recent months, and including here at the festival, has been they, they're not really welcoming trading, they're not welcoming speculation, yeah. um, they're not here promoting crypto, um, they're supportive of blockchain, not crypto. And so yeah. it does feel like, you know, a bear market when you hear these kind of yeah. lines. Um, we kind of know where we're at in the cycle at that point. But, um, you know, the, it was a healthy back and forth between the regulator and, and Brian. Um, the invitation from the regulator was, we want industry to, to give us feedback and engage. Yeah. But it's a valid question that, that Brian put forward in saying, you know, there is a global competition going on here. Um, where does Singapore stand? But at the moment, what Singapore is saying to the market is, we love innovation in payments. We love innovation in infrastructure. We're not going to be a hub for crypto speculation. Yeah. Um, I, what I found really interesting as well was not only the stance on that, but if you look around, I don't see any lending businesses here. And we've got like thousands and thousands and thousands of businesses here with stores, and I haven't seen a single lender. Yeah, um, it, it is really interesting to see how the tone has changed over the years and where we stand now. And so with Singapore wanting to attract payments innovation and capital markets infrastructure and, and talking about settlement infrastructure, for yeah. example, um, I don't really know, uh, you know what, what kind of figures they might be targeting internally in terms of do they have, you know, target number of, you know, we want this many thousand jobs in Singapore, we want this many, you know, million dollars brought in, yeah. um, you know, or added to GDP in the next quarter. So, um, you know, th that is something that I would like to get across over the next day or so because um, taking this more conservative approach, um, you know, you would think that maybe there's some other opportunity that they're eyeing. Yeah. Um, last time you were on the show, we were talking about the Ethereum merger that just yeah. happened. We had Vitalik Buterin on stage yesterday. Um, it was great just to actually sit there and watch the guy talk, right? Um, what were your key takeaways from, from his presentation and what did you kind of make of the, you know, his, his thoughts? I think he had some interesting observations and was asked about even Twitter um, by the, the host. I, I think that, um, you know, the, the thing that I really appreciate about Vitalik, anytime he writes or speaks, is that um, he makes it very clear, his frameworks and principles, and I think it's very easy to engage with his ideas about even very complex issues where there are no obvious solutions because of, 
of that neat way in which he can present a clear framework for thinking through a problem. Um, and actually, that Twitter example that you raised is a really good example where um, you know, Vitalik's comments yesterday were really pointing to principles around um, open and free markets and, and the benefits of competition in a market. You know, he's really kind of saying to Elon, um, you know, maybe you'll get it right, maybe you'll get it wrong. Either way, the market will determine, yeah. um, the market will vote with its feet, um, and, and we'll see what happens. So, um, you know, I did think that his, um, his comment that he made about there needing to be a separation between the identity slash KYC aspect and a premium features product was a really good one. Yeah. Um, you know, for Twitter to be um, an accessible uh, platform, you know, it really shouldn't cost $20 or even $8 a month for someone just to have their identity verified. Um, identity verification is a one-time occurrence. Yeah. You should charge a $5 fee to cover your costs. And then if they also want premium features, you can yeah. charge them as a power user on top of that. Um, so, you know, that, that was a good suggestion, but we'll see if Elon takes it up or not. Yeah. Um, what have been some of the other kind of highlights for you from the, this festival? For me personally, I've been spending a lot of my time lately working on stable coins and DAOs. So it's been a great opportunity for me to come and kind of focus group and test um, some of the questions that I have and, and the issues that I'm working on. You can't really replicate these opportunities yeah. unless you're in an immersive environment like this. So it's been fantastic for me to bounce ideas off people who are deep domain experts um, and, and get some feedback from people I don't get to interact with every day. Um, but you know, it's really it's it's the buzz and the atmosphere as well. Well, I think, um, you know, we were chatting the other day, Dexter, that often it can be hard to step away from your desk and your deadlines yeah. to come and take time out to do things like this. But it does give you inspiration, motivation, new ideas, um, and it's yeah. really well worth the investment. So yeah, I, I, absolutely. I've really loved it. I feel really energized by it. Yeah, I kind of, I, I think I used the, the um, analogy of it. It feels like I've just had a three-day off-site strategy kind yes, of absolutely, you know, yeah, exactly. get together. And it's been fantastic. And a you know, really big Aussie contingent out, which when I go back to 2019, I think there, there were maybe two Aussie companies out here. Now we've got 30 odd. Um, so many Aussies were here, catching up with Aussies who you know live live in Singapore or live in the UK and have come here for the the event. So it's been really fantastic, I think, to see you know the the, the kind of show here, but also to see. Um, you know what the the main kind of theme is for you know that's coming out of this, and in 2019 it was banking as a service. I'm absolutely convinced uh, it's blockchain now, and it's like the, the mainstream moment. And I think you know we've been talking about for the last year and a bit. I think is now for me this is kind of the evidence that yeah, you know when Singapore, who I think we've touched on highly protective around their citizens you know very kind of strict you know kind of a governing kind of a you know kind of philosophy for them to be going down the paths that they are i think shows that this is actually for me the beginning of you know what does a, a, a digital world look like you know what I am really enjoying about this crypto winter is that so much noise has been cleared out yeah. of the room and being at an event like this where you can see just by physically walking around one of the biggest themes no of this G event. No DJs here, is there? <laughs> there, I'm not there are no crypto bros. That's true. Yeah. I've been asked for business cards, yeah. so you know it's a different it's a different audience. But um, payments is such a dominant theme, and 
And so much of the payments discussion is itself dominated by blockchain. Yeah. And and by crypto, by virtual yeah. assets. Um, so you know that's been really cool to see. Um, you know, for me, I just think that this is the right type of market to really get a lot of work done. Yeah. Build meaningful partnerships. Um, you know, things that will pay off. You know, a year, two years down the track. Um, so I, I'm. I think this is a really productive time that we're in. Yeah. And look, this absolutely is the gateway to Asia. You can see just in the geography of the place, right? And you know. The, the the, the amount of ships that are in the docks, right? And just the things that are happening. And um, when you then consider, you know, the, the diversity of people that we've got here, you know, from a lot of Southeast Asian nations who don't have the infrastructure and the legacy systems that we're restricted by in the US or Australia or the UK, you have to think that, hey, you know, with so little to lose, they're going to be really leading the way in digital assets and payments and you know being able to bank the unbanked and i can't help but just think this is going to be the epicenter of where all of the next wave of innovation comes yeah the data is already showing that to be the case right i think people often think of the us as being the the center of gravity when it comes to the crypto and digital assets world because we have seen um, there are a lot of builders and investors in the US. Um, but Asian consumers, particularly in Southeast Asia, have been very enthusiastic adopters yeah. of digital assets. There's also a lot of gender balance in terms of how Asian consumers have engaged in crypto, which is something that's quite interesting if you compare it to the West as well. Mm. And, and that points to what you're saying, Dexter, around that you know there's more of an infrastructure need. Um, it's a tech-savvy population. Yeah. Um, and, and so they're very primed yeah. to adopt these types of innovations. But it's not just retail, even looking at data of institutions, Asian institutions are more bullish on digital assets than their European and US counterparts as well. So there's a lot of leadership in this region too. Yeah, awesome. Well, Chloe, it's been great to catch up with you. Have a safe trip back to Sydney and uh, can't wait for the next blockchain news. Like, we just seem to get so much rammed in these things, right? <laughs> not to mention, as I promise as always we never mention price never never yeah. golden rule yeah um it's always a pleasure dexter it's so nice to see fintech chat and news presented by tier one people leaders in fintech executive search follow us on your favorite podcast player or fintech chatter tv on youtube